Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus. And uh, I was just saying to you, Seth, before we started that I invite you on the show. I don't even tell you what we're going to talk about. I just assume you'll be ready to go. So I've got a game for you to play. You ready? Oh, God. Okay, let's go. All right. You have to compare 90s hockey players from the Montreal Canadiens to Minnesota Vikings. No, that's a joke, but uh, maybe you could. I was ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the actual game. I want to go through some of the biggest things that have happened and just ask you if it's going to work. Because one of my favorite parts of the year is when everybody freaks out about all these moves that are happening. And then we're in week six going, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> like that's, that wasn't a good idea at all. Um, so why don't we start out with what just happened? And of course, we'll get to the Minnesota Vikings and the things that have and have not happened with the Vikings so far. But the Tyreek Hill trade to Miami, Miami also getting Tron Armstead and loading up. And we're going to go through AFC, NFC teams that are a little more relevant to the Vikings as well. But is it going to work to add people around Tua or – are we going to see Teddy Bridgewater starting by week eight? I still hold out some hope for Tua. And I think it's one of those things where he didn't come in with like an elite trait. I think his elite trait was supposed to be processing, which I think we can't really use in terms of like college to pro projections. We can't really just be like, oh, he's a great processor. Because that is the thing we clearly have no clue about. So it's like if you're not – an you know, what, what it seems like is, is happening in today's NFL is that you've got to come in with some sort of elite trait to, to give you some buoyancy in your early years. So, you know, I mean, Herbert, the arm, um, Burrow, the accuracy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a, a mobility with like Lamar Jackson, stuff like that. So with Tua, I don't know if he's like, he, I'm not saying he's inaccurate. I'm not saying he doesn't have, uh, he has like a weak arm, but it's like, they're not, you know, it's like B, B plus in some areas and all that stuff. There's no A uh, or even an A minus grade in any of his traits. So you're like, okay, well then you, you, you better figure something out eventually um, in terms of processing. So it was always going to take time. Now he's going just third year. So you have hope that it'll, it'll figure it out. The problem is if he never figures it out again, there's nothing there to, to, give yourself a higher floor and that, and if so, if the floor does fall out, then obviously there's a reason why they signed Teddy Bridgewater, who at least does give you that higher floor. Now does he, they both don't give you very high ceilings probably. um, But at least there's, there's a little bit of a, a floor there. And obviously the surrounding talent and, you know, a new coach, new system, hopefully that gives you a higher floor as well. Obviously you've turned on Armstead, 
um, stays healthy. He's one of the top tackles. Tyreek Hill, I mean, very clearly one of the top receivers in the league. So they've made some – I actually – I really like Cedric Wilson, the guy that they got from Dallas. So, like, they've made some, some smart plays there. We'll see about Mike McDaniel and, and what he's going to do on offense. I actually think the offense they ran last year with him, with Tua, suited what Tua can do, can and cannot do. So I'm very curious to see them change it up. And I know, obviously, that style of offense that he's going to bring from from Shanahan has lifted, um, you know, mediocre quarterbacks. So maybe it does it again. But I actually like what they did last year. So I think they can incorporate both sides of the both sides of it. Are you doing construction outside of your house? It's it's very possible. There was a guy oh. in a hard hat outside the window. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we did have one time on the show a chirping uh, fire alarm, you know, and so it was like in the back, chirp, chirp, chirp through the whole episode. It does happen. But uh, so you know what this sounds like? It sounds Jared Goffian. Like like what the Los Angeles Rams had to do around Jared Goff to build a really good team there, except for I'm not sure Miami's defense has Aaron Donald or if they could be as dominant as the the Rams were. But this is the model, right? Like as Vikings fans are frustrated that they didn't really pick a direction, this was the direction that even if you have Tua, who I don't think any of us believe in as an elite quarterback at any point, you can at least give it your best shot by giving him everything you could possibly get. And I agree with you with Cedric Wilson. He's a good player. And that's going to be your number three wide receiver now. And then the other two are just give them the ball and they can do anything they want. And so I, I feel like it is going to work to at least get Miami to somewhat compete with Buffalo. Like we think that Buffalo is on just this other universe. They won two more games than Miami last year. Like, I, I don't know that they were like in a completely different stratosphere and now their team might be a little bit stronger. Yeah. I, I'm not quite ready to say that they're, they're in Buffalo tier yet, I would say, but they're definitely stronger. They're a hundred percent stronger. It just, it really is going to live on now. Okay. Can the quarterback be that like force multiplier? Um, and take them to another level. Is the defense going to be, you know, they, to a certain degree, ran a very specific defense under Brian Flores? Like, is are they going to be as good as they were last year? Were there was their defense do more to maybe you know the the quarterbacks that they played last year? You know, we saw them go through that big winning streak where the offense was just okay and the defense was lights out. But you know, besides Lamar Jackson, you know, played a lot of backups, played a lot of like lower tier quarterbacks. So like, I do wonder. Um, if that is sustainable going into another year, again, new system, um, maybe playing a tougher, uh, tougher slate of quarterbacks and who knows what will happen. But so not quite there yet. I think they're up against the Patriots now because I don't know where the, I really don't know where the Patriots are um, at all right now. So I think they're probably closer to maybe being better than the Patriots than I think they are closer to, uh, to Buffalo. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I don't want to say that they're going to win the division because Buffalo has the God quarterback and they've done a great job building that team. So they've still got everything around Josh Allen. Just that this is how you do it, though. This is how you close that gap when your quarterback isn't as good. Uh, is it going to work anything that the AFC West has done? How, like, how is which is going to work is more of the question than is it going to work? Is it going to work that Denver traded everything for Russell Wilson or that Vegas is getting Devonte Adams for their franchise sent back to uh, green Bay or Kansas city resetting their salary cap by moving Tyree kill and then trying to fill it in with 
whomstever. And then the Chargers, I, the, the Chargers before free agency were my Super Bowl pick for next year. And I feel like everything that they've done just screams it's going to work. But also they're the Los Angeles Chargers and their history is it not working. So like, who's it going to work for in the AFC West is really the question. Uh, look, the Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl. So that's really what it comes down to. I think that, you know, the the, the way AFC West is going, just going back to the whole quarterback situation in the AFC, and I'm not saying anything that anyone hasn't said before, but it is crazy when you look at where the quarterbacks are, you have to go through, like there is a chance you will have to play like Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, uh, Allen, Herbert, uh, Burrow, Allen, uh, you know, Herbert, like those three combination of those three in the playoffs and maybe Carr with those, with that receiving core, you know, that, that, that's obviously really good. And Wilson, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to go through this gauntlet and it's like, man, so you know, it's almost like going back to the Tua thing. It's like, can you, do you have a guy who can win, who can put the team on his back? And like, I, you know, you look at the 49ers last year, getting all the way to the NFC Championship game and them beating the Packers in Lambeau. Well, you know, the offense didn't do anything that game. Okay. Can you go, you know, did the offense do that much in the, in the Cowboys game before that when they won? Not that much. Like, okay, well, eventually you're going to need your quarterback to have a game. Mm-hmm. And he and and Jimmy G never did that. And they end up losing. Eventually, the, their clock is going to run out. So it's like with the Dolphins, it's like eventually whoever ends up playing quarterback for them is going to have to have a game. Whereas, like, we know that of the guys that I just mentioned all have the ability not to have one game when they put the entire team on their back, the entire franchise on their back, but multiple games like that. So th- it, it, it's tough. And obviously the guy in Cleveland now, that, that's a whole other ups the ante uh, even more. So like uh, it, it's tough. You know, I go back to the AFC West. Obviously the Broncos needed to eventually make a quarterback change. I, I feel bad for the guys, you know, Vic Fangio and whatever, whoever, all those coaches before him, you know, in the in the post Peyton Manning era, where it was like, well, if you never give these guys quarterbacks, they're you're not going to be able to see if they can coach or not. Um, and Vic Fangio is very clearly a, a good coach who they never gave a quarterback to, and now and now he doesn't have a job, and now they go get a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of those or probably two of those teams in the West are not going to make the playoffs, and the thing is, they, they might not even be bad teams, but they just they're just not enough wins to go around. Right. When you have to play in the division all the time and the Chargers got better, the Raiders got better. I think the Broncos got better. Seems like at best the Chiefs stayed the same. So where are we? I don't know. I don't want to say what it clearly it sounds like I'm going to say, but like I, I think I think that. I'd be a little nervous right now if I'm Kansas City. No, I'm not saying like you you you. You know, paying Tyreek Hill thirty million dollars a year was the right move, or, mm-hmm. or tra- and trading him was the bad move. I think there's a lot of factors involved. I think it's a kind of a win-win, lose-lose for like both teams in a sense, if that makes sense. Um, but but going into next year, you know, they're not as good. Now they hit on a receiver, they hit on a quarterback in the draft. Different story, but we won't know that until you know until September. Are you a believer in the idea that there are so many great wide receivers who are coming out in the draft that teams should rethink how much they pay them? Because 
I'm kind of buying into that philosophy. I mean, with the recent drafts, but also just how much the, the prices continue to go up. And so when we're talking about quarterbacks taking up whatever percentage of your salary cap, if wide receivers and pass rushers, for example, are doing the same thing and every year seems to be another good draft for them, it's I think that the Packers and Kansas City both made the right move by just saying, you know what, there's probably another one of these guys out there and we're going to roll those dice because they just seem to be everywhere. Yeah, I think with both those with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, I think you have to rethink what you want to do offensively, because I do think especially actually with both of them, really, you the, a lot of that whole that offense ran through them. Green Bay, for sure. Um, you know, lining lining Adams up in all the different spots, running all these different routes with him, you know, being the RPO guy in the bubbles and stuff. And obviously Tyreek Hill kind of shared with Kelsey, you know, to make that two-headed attack. But a lot of the, you know, the offense ran through him. So you have to find a way. You can't just like, okay, we're just going to run it back. And then mm-hmm. there, there's going to be, have to be some structural changes. Now, obviously, you have two great quarterbacks who can make it work. Um, to answer your, your actual question, I am very much in agreement on that. There's just there's just a lot of receivers, a lot of kids playing receiver who are getting a lot better coaching than we've ever had at that position where, you know, you're seeing the ball being thrown more at the lower levels in high school football. You've seen the ball being thrown more. They're getting all these reps. They're going to these seven on seven camps in the offseason. They're getting reps. They're going to work with um, receiver, you know, individual receiver coaches. They're getting reps. They're going to work with. They're going to go hang out with their quarterback who is working with a quarterback coach. They're getting reps. You know, is that you know all that stuff, and we're seeing it constantly with this glut of receivers that gets taken between like I don't know twenty and forty in the draft. Like pick between picks twenty and forty in the draft that you're going to find really good receivers there. And so yeah, like paying thirty mil for Tyree Kills and and Devont, it's a lot of money. They're great players. They're great, great players. Would you rather play them 30 mil at like age 26? Probably. You know, I I, I don't know what Devontae is 29. I know um Tari Hill just turned 28. It, that that gets a little into the you're a little nervous about that stuff. And then of course with receiver play, you know, so much is dependent on what the quarterback can do. Patrick Mahomes, now I think Tyree Kill by himself is a great deep receiver. Uh, being able to tra- like a super underrated, super underrated route runner, and super underrated at his ability to track balls in the air. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is that kind of quarterback. Two is not. So like that's where all this stuff um, um, is is tough for me to wrap my head around. Now the one thing is, you know, linking this back to the Vikings, it's like okay, you trade Stephon Diggs. And you don't pay him, simply go and draft Justin Jefferson. Like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, great. One team did it and it was great for them. Mm-hmm. But um the Eagles drafted Jalen Ray. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> like, so like you got you gotta obviously, you know, you know the draft is a craft shoot, but like it helps when you when you accidentally hit on a player rather than you hit on a bust. 
Well, and that's exactly it is that it's easier said than done to the, we could just replace that guy because yeah. there are a lot of positions that we talk about as being replaceable until you actually try to do it. And uh, the Vikings are in this spot with Anthony Barr where he's been there for so long. And I think when he's leaving, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's okay. You just get another one. Trey Waynes was like this. Like This is not an unbelievable player. You just draft another corner and then you draft Jeff Gladney and then he gets indicted on domestic violence and then you don't have a player anymore. It's just like those proven guys who are even just good, uh, or especially the ones that are great, are not easily replaced, even if we kind of think that the position is trending that way. But you have to land that guy. Um, but the other part of it is that we do see receivers develop, too, from the yeah. second and the third round that maybe we don't expect. Terry McLaurin is great. Debo Samuel is great. So you should kind of just keep taking shots at those guys and, you know, kind of see what comes out. Now, I won't ask you about the Cleveland thing because it's just a miserable conversation. So let's just move on from that. Uh, But I want to ask you about something completely different. Pittsburgh, is it going to work with Trubisky? And I don't mean that he's getting better. Don't shake your head at me. I don't mean he's getting better. I don't mean that. I saw him play way too many times to ever think that this person could be good at football. However, if they draft a quarterback, have that person sit behind Mitch Trubisky and develop for a year, turn it over to him. Is that going to work for them as a model to get back into contention with now a Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore team that are expected to be really good, like taking a step back from where they are and revamping this thing while Mitch Trubisky keeps them sort of like mildly competitive? I mean, like it's always this weird thing where when we look at it from the outside in, not having any skin in the game in Pittsburgh, it's like, well, just play, yeah, play the bad quarterback because you're not, you're not winning the division. The division is too good right now. Um, you're you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So like to play that quarterback, win two games, and then and then you know have all this draft capital for next year. Obviously, the, that just doesn't happen inside buildings. I mean, you know that as well as I do. It just doesn't happen inside buildings. Um, I, I man, I'm curious to see what Matt Canada, his offensive coordinator of Pittsburgh, his offense looks like. His very unique offense when he was in college had to kind of scale it back to a certain degree because he played with basically the worst quarterback in the league for two years. Um, so, or I guess the last year was his first year as a, co- as a coordinator, but like, so I'm curious. I think they do a lot to help. I think he can do a lot to help the quarterback. It's just like the best you're getting is his, is his kind of like faux Pro Bowl year, like what was it, 2018, 2017? <laughs> yeah, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that faux Pro Bowl should be on his yeah. Pro Football Reference page. It's like <laughs> next to the next to the Nickelodeon most valuable player. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like oh man, unless they're like they're like sitting there and they're like. They they take in Trubisky and knowing that he's not good and knowing they're just like trying to get people kind of half excited. That we have a quarterback. Then obviously we'll see what they do in the draft if they go and take a quarterback. Now I mean I'm not a huge fan of any of these quarterbacks, but like you know maybe they take a quarterback and and then like you said let him sit there for a year, still lose games, you know, and then and then uh, you still have that draft capital. Um, I just think trying to again. From the outside looking in, I would say don't do not try to win now. You know, you know, create cap space. You know, get draft picks. Blah blah blah. 
I think on the inside, um, I think Tomlin's been there since a long time. It's tough for for a guy who's been there to say, yeah, it's, we were, we're like truly rebuilding. Um, we, we're stripping this down. I, I think that's tough. I think it, I think I don't even think they have a GM yet. But whoever they end up hiring as a GM is going to have to have this conversation. If it's a younger guy, he's going to have to have this conversation with Tomlin saying, hey, no, I think like this roster is not great in the, in a lot of areas. So we're going to have to figure out how to how to do it in a way where where we might have to tear this whole thing down. So I'm very curious about them how they how they how they move this thing going forward. Trubisky is certainly not the answer. Um, and honestly, it's like the point of he's not even good enough like a like a Teddy to be a stopgap type of player either. That's the I think that's really one of the issues here. Hey everybody, I've been making my meals from HelloFresh and I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store, count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh Cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, their quick and easy meal options, including 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, we've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. Use the code Insider16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And that's why I like it so much. I mean, I just think that, that you've done <laughs> no. I think you've done something perfect because he comes from being Buffalo's backup, and you're like, oh no, he developed in Buffalo. Trust us, you know whatever. No, no, no. Of course not. I mean, you if can't. You, go if for- you, if Mitch Trubisky had to play in the same system that Josh Allen was playing, <laughs> it would it would be he would, it would be bad. It would have been it would have been so bad to watch him have to play actual snaps in Buffalo last year. Right, but it is remarkable how somebody can sort of. Uh, revamp their image just by being Josh Allen's backup with that organization or whatever. But where I think it's perfect is if you take Matt Corral or something, and then you win five to six games, you're not going to look like the worst and most incompetent team in the league with Mitch Trubisky. He's played NFL quarterback before. It's not like playing a rookie like Zach Wilson last year, where you can't even evaluate players on your team because the guy is so bad. And that's always the fear. And then if your Matt Corral comes in and destroys Mitch Trubisky in camp, then you play him. It's sort of like the opportunity that Denver foregoed last year by not picking Justin Fields. It was like you had that chance to have him compete with Teddy Bridgewater, play if he was ready, not play if he wasn't, win seven games, and then turn the keys over to the guy. And instead, now they end up with Russell Wilson, so congratulations. But Russell Wilson's very expensive, and he's older, and it's, you know, it's, it's not the same as having the guy in the rookie contract. So I feel like Pittsburgh is kind of doing this right. And yes, I am projecting on, on this 
um, for what I think the Vikings maybe should have done. Um, now, how about uh, in terms of going through these, will it work? Because we just don't spend a lot of time on these AFC things, but I love talking about what's been going on. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Um, first of all, this reminds me, it's such a throwback. Jeff George played for the Vikings, Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham. It's like the Indianapolis Colts have become that team where if you're totally washed as a former great starting quarterback, come on over, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, let's go. Uh, so I love it from that perspective that people who have Matt Ryan Indianapolis jerseys are going to be like, remember that though? Um <laughs> But I'm going to tell you the truth. I just, I don't see it, man. I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of people who are kind of holding on to what they want Matt Ryan to be still. I'm not sure that I see it being different. I think, well, my first question to you, so I, this is what I was going to ask, and I think I know the answer now, is like Matt Ryan versus Philip Rivers when they got him two years ago, you would take Philip Rivers? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I agree. I'm yep. not sure. I don't have an answer really uh, I actually want to side with, with Matt Ryan. And I do think it, and I do think I might be playing into exactly what you're saying, which is like, we, we, we we're like, Hey, you know, it still hasn't been that long since 2016, you know, like, yeah. and the team has not been good around him. Offensive line has not been good. Um, receiving core obviously has had good times this past year was not, but you know, obviously having Julio there for most of his career and then Calvin Ridley for some of that was good. The defense is no good, so you're always playing from behind and doing all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Goes to a better team. I think they still need to find a receiver. I think obviously you're hoping that you hit again with your – when you call run plays like you did last year. Not a yeah. guarantee, but you're hoping that. Obviously, we've seen what he can do as like a – quote unquote play action quarterback. Again, going back all the way to like, you know, 15, 16, 17. He obviously still has a strong arm. He's he's obviously very smart. It's a lot of money still. It's gonna be a lot of money. But if you're the Colts, it's like you you've created this thing so that you don't have a choice here. You just gotta cycle through them until it hits. And I and I think the funny thing to me is gonna be, and I don't think it'll happen with Ryan. But it's going to be, we're going to cycle through these guys until we finish accidentally mm -hmm. four and thirteen, and then and then it, and then we, and then we blow it up. I have then a name for this. It's called okay. it's called the natural tank. It's yeah. like yeah. the like a natural hat trick. The uh, the 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 unnatural tank is where you do it on purpose. The natural yeah. tank is when the forces of sport just drive you <laughs> into the dirt. Uh, on your Philip Rivers thing. But the difference to me was, well, both were washed. Philip Rivers still had this mentality that he was just going to just get a gunsling. The times I've seen Matt Ryan up close the last few years and they've played the Vikings. I don't think the gas is there on the fastball anymore. And I don't think he's gutsy yeah. either. Yeah, uh, I, just, I agree with you that it feels like things have just like kind of slowed down in a sense for him. Yep. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you're re rejuvenated for a year. In mm -hmm. a new scenario, in a new situation scenario, you know that's I think what what obviously Indianapolis Colts fans are, and they're hoping for. With that said, it's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Like never mind Philip Rivers, who we can have a debate about. It is very clearly an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. Again, they have to give up. They gave up a lot. They they gave up a lot for Carson Wentz, and then didn't get obviously nearly as much in return. And then now they're taking on this contract, so it's like, 
it, it better work eventually. But they were close. They, you know, if Matt Ryan plays against the Jaguars in weeks 18 or 18 last year, they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yep. so, you know, they're a playoff team. They're going to, they're going to be one of those teams where just like last year, we say, well, you don't want to play them in the playoffs because, uh, you know, they can run the football and blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to make the playoffs and lose. Oh, uh, they're going to go somewhere in the first week of the playoffs and lose like they did two years ago with Philip Rivers. So there you go. And, and that's the thing is you just don't see a ceiling on this as being any higher than making the playoffs. No. But this is what happens when people feel like they're about to lose their jobs is they do stuff yes. that will get them to the playoffs that will kick their can down the road for one more year. If they were going to trade for anyone that could have made them fairly legit, I'm going to say it. I think it was Kirk. Like I, I, It seems you just, like you, you just want to get Kirk out of there. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I no, I actually think I actually think that in a team like this, Kirk Cousins could take them to the playoffs and be a little scary. Now, you mentioned the other AFC quarterbacks. You're probably not winning the Super Bowl. In fact, you're definitely not winning the Super Bowl, but at least you could be scary. With Matt Ryan, you're not scary. Uh, with Kirk in a good offensive line and a running game and all those things, like I think you kind of could have been. And it just my understanding of how it went down is that the Colts just were not willing to go too high with the offer. And I think we saw what the offer probably would have been if I I think if I'm the Colts, I just ramp it up and go for it with Kirk and try to try to take that shot, because I, I don't think Matt Ryan there's like a world where Matt Ryan gets you to the playoffs and loses the first round and a world where you win seven games. And those are the only two worlds with Matt Ryan, where with Kirk, at least we know what he looks like when he gets hot. Um, I mean, you've picked him to be your MVP every year, so we know that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I just think I'm that not going to do it again this year. I'm <laughs> over it. I'm over it. I think so. Hey, <laughs> here's here's one thing that many of the outsiders have learned: trust the people who are there every day. That's this is like the thing. Um, I had this conversation with Robert Mays once because he in 2018 was like, "No, this team's going to be great." I was like, "And you see, have you seen the guards?" It's like, "Oh, who cares about guards?" I'm like. Kirk cares about guards. That's who cares about guards. But anyway, so um, I think uh, anyway, just, I think they should have traded for Kirk. I think that would have been a better move for them. Yeah, but the you said like what what would be had been the return for Kirk? That's that's where they're like because they, now they're only giving up a third round pick. When again we right. talked about them having lose lost the first round pick already because of Carson Wentz and and doing all that stuff, and maybe they just didn't want to go that high. That's exactly what you're saying. Like, they just didn't want to go that high. I think Kirk. I think right now Kirk is better than Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a scenario where Ryan finds himself again. It might not be a very high, you know, might be a lot of, um, might be one specific parallel universe, and hopefully we're living in it if you're a Colts fan. But, but um, yeah, I do think there, there's still a, there's still somewhat of a ceiling there that's high enough. But again, I, I don't disagree with you that what is the highest ceiling. That AFC, the AFC is just too good, man. I'm also uh, looking right now for what age Matt Ryan was when he really started to fall off. Oh, look, the same age as Kirk Cousins is going to be next year. Anyway, uh, that's <laughs> I mean, I mean, isn't there a parallel there? It's like Kirk is a worse version of Matt Ryan and yeah. um, they kind of need the same things to succeed and age comes for everybody. And that's one thing that's sort of been floating around in my mind as the Vikings try to quote competitive rebuilds like, well, 
It might be a natural tank if he slips off. But anyway, so to some of these other situations, how about these? I'm going to give you the teams that are like completely rebuilding and you tell me who it's going to work for. Uh, The Jets, Jacksonville, Houston, Giants, Detroit, like any of these catch your catch your eye at all of teams that you think. The first thing you're thinking of is is the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. If you believe in, in Trevor Lawrence, which I do. So he'll just be good. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like if Trevor Lawrence is good, then they're fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of stuff they've done this offseason, but with but it's like, well, who cares if Trevor Lawrence is, is the number one overall type, pick type of guy. And I think that there were so many – obviously, it wasn't great last year. Um, but the more you read about how that last season went down in Jacksonville, the more you're like, forget it. Just forget it. It didn't happen. Um, let's give everyone a fresh start. And so I'm willing to do that with Florence. And of course he's the number was an number one overall pick for a reason. So I'm okay with that. So that to me, yeah, that's a Jaguars the Jets, man. I'm I'm happy for them that they haven't been able to hit on any other free agents for the Tyree <laughs> Kill trade. Yeah. Because I don't think they want to get bogged down right now with all with a bunch of money, because I don't know if this is gonna look even that much better next year. And the Giants, I mean, you know, they'll give it one more go with Daniel Jones. I think we know who he is now. So that doesn't really excite me that much. And it's like, regardless of like the coaching staff you bring in, like, it's like, oh yeah, well, Dable was there when Josh Allen developed. And it's like, well, did Josh Allen develop? Because, like they, they did tailor a lot of stuff to Josh Allen, but that's not what, what, um, Daniel Jones is. So it's like, well, you want to tailor, tailor what to him? Like you can do very specific things with Josh Allen in terms of your philosophy on how to, and what you're doing. Um, do you want to go with like the, you know, 87% first down pass rate if you're the Giants, like they had in Buffalo last year with Josh Allen? Like, no. So then, yeah, okay. Like I'm not saying Dable's like not a good, it, it was all Josh Allen and Dable's not a good OC and, and play caller and going to be head coach. It's just like, Quarterback situation is so drastically different that I don't think you can count on just saying, well, he developed Josh Allen, therefore. Um, what's, what's your yeah. favorite, just real quick, like what's your favorite, like the people deluding themselves in football thing? I think we've just hit on two of them of like Matt Ryan. Okay. All right. Is he really old and not good anymore? Sure. But what if, and I, I mean, this one is even more ludicrous. Like Josh Allen is one of the most freaky freak shows that has ever been a freak in this NFL. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like if Dante Culpepper hadn't gotten hurt and yet, and if Dante Culpepper never took sacks, that is the freakiest thing to me about Josh Allen. He just does not get sacked. He either throws the ball away, he runs, or he just sheds off five tackles. So there's like this Roethlisberger-ness to him where he's not taking sacks. There's a playmaker. There's a thousand-yard runner you know, potential. There's 75 yards through the air. Like, oh, yeah, this sounds just like that quarterback from Duke who ran real fast once and fell down. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like – you know, what, what they were able to do, you know, they put him in, in like a, like a real offense, his first two years or whatever. And obviously like, you know, year one, they didn't, weren't sure he was going to start. He ends up starting his, you know, their receiving core is bad. Like Kelvin Benjamin's playing a bunch of snaps is really bad, but like what you can do with him is like I said, you can throw the ball every time because he can be a runner. You know what I mean? 
he got so much better as a as being able to just like throw a check down, like mm-hmm. playing quarterback. And maybe that's on Dable for sure. I don't know. Um, they don't play with a tight end. They don't keep a running back into block. It's like, have fun if your quarterback is not a freak. Have right. fun with all the – because what happened to the Bills this this year in them, you know, when they were kind of, okay, we weren't sure what the Bills were doing. The offense wasn't great. They go into Jacksonville, only score six points. Like, hey, what's going on here? One of the things that was happening was they were so spread that teams were saying, okay, well, we can – we now – can treat first down like it's third down. Yeah. And we don't have to come with our base package and just everyone just sit there and zone or man, and we just, everyone just plays out regular defense. We can come with our third down packages for first down. Okay. And a lot of the, what a lot of that meant was they could come with, they could rush for from exotic locations. Mm-hmm. So you're you're you know you're sending a linebacker, but you're dropping off an end, and you're you're showing this, but you're actually coming from the other side and, and doing all that stuff. And again, if you're only protecting with five, often, you 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 guess wrong in, in setting your protection, you get a free rusher, right? And now you're, you know, you're lucky that Josh Allen obviously can make plays, but for the most part, he it was tough on them. Mm-hmm. You know, teams are sitting back in cover two running all these simulated pressures, stuff like that. And it was really tough on them. They had to settle it down too. They had to bring more tight ends, more fullbacks onto the field and, and get under center a little bit more and, and kind of like, like try and find that balance, which was like, okay, guys, defenses, hello, we can run the ball here. We might do it. We might hand the ball off. And it's like, that can't, don't live in that. You cannot live in that world with Daniel Jones. Like you mm-hmm, just can't. Right. It's like very specific world where, um, you could have two good seasons and, and the 2020 season, especially um, where they didn't face these problems because teams were, were, were not doing the stuff that they did to them in 2021. And you have this MVP type season, they go to get to the AFC championship game. So like, yeah, it's just all that to say, don't expect Daniel Jones to look like Josh Allen next year. I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here, but that's what I'm getting at. Folks, the hockey and basketball teams here in town are headed down the stretch toward the playoffs, and you can get yourself ready by going to SodaStick.com and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off all Minnesota sports-inspired goods. That's SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. No, and you're not saying anything crazy, but it's sort of a fun exercise to look at what fans are asked to talk themselves into. And, uh, well, the last team, of course, on my list here for us to discuss would be the Minnesota Vikings and what Vikings fans are being asked to talk themselves into, which is to do the same thing over again. And Kwesi Adafo Mensa calling it a competitive rebuild, which I don't really mm. know. Well, I just need to see the rebuild part. Like, what's the rebuild part? I see the competitive part of keeping cousins and keeping everybody else. I just don't see the competitive part. Um, but I, I do wonder if they would draft a quarterback who falls to the second, if they would trade back and draft a quarterback, if there's one of the guys who I don't think Malik Willis is now getting to 12, but like that would be the rebuild part if they were going to do it. But do you think that that would be a good idea if they were to draft a future quarterback? In this draft, no. Now, if you want to take them in the second round, maybe. Obviously, then you might have another Kellen Mon on your hands, which turned out not to be that great. 
but yeah, I'm not. What what I just what is the point of taking Kenny Pickett at twelve? Like, sorry, like what is the point? You, just to get another Kirk Cousins type of. I mean, he's not really Kirk Cousins type, but like that level that that is your maximum ceiling with Kenny Pickett. Um, obviously, like the 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 caveat for any quarterback drafted is like we go back to the processing thing. If they just randomly hit on and become like this unbelievable processor, then yeah, you great, congratulations, you you've 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 figured out how to draft quarterbacks. But um, for the most part, like Kenny Pickett's ceiling is like is a good Kirk Cousins year probably, and that's like at the max. Uh, you know, I, I like Ritter. Um, he would be interesting to me. I think he's he's a back half of the first round type of guy who might get pushed up because of of this draft class. You know, like you said Willis is not hitting there. I think you're better off. Like, I don't know. I don't know about Willis, man. He's like he's like probably my QB one, and yet uh, I get problems. So this draft class just doesn't do it for me, especially at twelve in this weird position at twelve. Look, you you. You extended Kirk. It's not like you're, you know, next year you, you're you're quarterback um, deficient. You're still going to have him. So I don't know. Maybe kind of hoping for the natural tank. <laughs> you're right. Right. Because that's, next that's year you're getting to. next year you're you know Bryce Young and you got C.J. Stroud and you got all these guys. Maybe Spencer Rattler has a has a comeback year and he's he's a prospect again. So like. But this year's class, it just doesn't move me that much. Okay, I've got uh, a quote from Kwesi Adafo to read you, and I want you to tell me how this is going to work, okay? Because the thing that we've been talking about for four years, every offensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer, is how to get more out of Kirk Cousins, all right? It's just been this uh, this never-ending question. So here's what Kwesi Adafo said when I asked him, do you guys believe that you can get more out of Kirk Cousins? He says, we do. Football is one of those sports where you're looking at three plays a game, right? Can you get them in second and six versus second and 11? Can you eliminate some of the stuff, the bad things that can happen? That's not Kirk. That's any player. And we always talk about winning on the margins and things like that. You can win on the margins from a personnel basis by putting them in better situations and from a scheme basis, putting him in better situations. So you're Mr. Scheme. Mm. scheme me tell tell me how this works i mean what is what what is it that they would see that they would say we see room around the margins and uh we've already covered the run on second down thing they did it too much but everybody knows um what else what else former coach hmm? i like their offense the past few years i knew it what do you want me to like what do you want me to tell you like i like that they that they i love their I mean, loved it, I, whatever. From a macro perspective, I think they, and again, yeah, okay, so they ran the ball too much in the second down, like whatever. But like from a macro perspective, I thought, like, what's really going to change? What what more can you do? Now, like at the end of the day, like the, the best play callers are the ones that get their quarterback to their first read mm-hmm. um, as often as possible. And that's a very micro thing. That it's tough to like, you know, I watch a lot of film, but that's tough for me to just to like know about every quarterback in the league and you know st- stuff like that. So yeah, if Kevin O'Connell, I guess he's, I assume he's calling plays. If Kevin O'Connell can get Kirk Cousins to the right, regardless of the concept, regardless of the concept, whether it's a drop back, this this concept or play action, this concept, whatever, if he can get Kirk Cousins to his first read more often than the last play callers, sure, it'll be better. 
but I don't think from a macro perspective, there's anything more you can you you can do. Um, I'm curious to see their fullback usage. I, I like what they do with <laughs> CJ Ham on the field. Me too. You put CJ Ham on the field, defenses respond to it in a certain way. In a in a in a way that is defined that that the quarterback knows how they're going to respond to it. So I'm so you know they'll do other things to do that, and that's kind of been what the Rams have been very good at for for a few years. You know, especially in the golf years. Um, but I'm curious. I'm I'm very curious to see how they how they use their fullback, how they use their personnel packaging, um, the tight ends. So, but like at the end of the day, like it's really going to be that micro stuff about like can. O'Connell get Kirk Cousins to his first read more often than not so that you know the, the second you start getting into progressions and processing your your turnover worthy play percentage goes up your big time throw percentage goes down your completion rate goes down etc cetera, etc cetera. so can you do that for your quarterback can you help your quarterback a lot um in what like I said whatever concept they're gonna they're calling on that particular down and distance and play so that to me is like from a micro perspective Yes, you can. From a macro perspective, it's not going to look that differently unless unless they just you know don't play with the fullback anymore and and do all that stuff. But they're going to run outside zone. They're going to boot off outside zone. You know, it's going to look the same. Um, so just using the PFF quarterback annual, Cousins threw to his first read more often than the average quarterback and was one of the most successful quarterbacks in the league throwing to his first read. That's where it's hard to see it changing because. They were already over the last three years having some of the most success throwing to their first reads as anybody, but it's second reads, it's scrambles, it's check downs, it's making something out of those things that they just haven't been able to do. So when they say win around the margins, it's like, okay, well, I, I get you and your offense was 14th and can you get it to 10th, but what does 10th do for you, right? So I think that's where that's where my skepticism exists. And I know that, you know, that's tough to be in a spot where we're just saying, Oh, look, the same conversation again about Kirk cousins. And you and I've had it what three, four times on the show already, but like, that's the, that's the area where I think, okay, we've got answers to how we're going to be better, but the data already shows that the coaching was good. So I don't know what to do with that. Um, and are, you, are you getting a different player outside the pocket this year? No. Are you getting a different player, uh, you know, under pressure? No. You're, you're hoping, and that was kind of one of my themes as I as I thought about my writing from from last season, from the 2021 season. It was like, oh, this player is playing well. Why is he playing well? Because because over this four game stretch, over this eight game stretch, over this year stretch, he made plays outside the pocket. Mm -hmm. You're not. That's not Kirk. That's never going to be Kirk. Now he does give you a floor in terms of his pocket ability. He is mm -hmm. obviously a very good quarterback in the pocket. Yep. But it's like. Again, we go back to the same thing. Now the NFC is not the AFC anymore, but how are you going to get to the playoffs and then win three games? Mm -hmm. If you if like, you got to be so damn good from inside the pocket, you got to be so your your play calling has to be legit for three straight games inside the pocket. You know, in terms of getting your quarterback to his first read, that's tough. You want to be able to just say, "Hey, we made a bad a a I made a bad play call." Called a bet, called the wrong play. They gave us this look. We thought we were getting this look. It didn't work. Okay. Uh, quarterback says, "Oh, I missed my first read uh, because I'm blind or whatever." And you want to be able to say it doesn't matter because I run around in the backfield and I make a play. 
right? And you just don't get that with Kirk. All right. Let's wrap uh, on this. Which NFL player is most like Mark Recchi? <laughs> Jesus. Is this too? What, what's your, like what's your small, Recchi was like a small elite, like skillful player, but small, like scrappy, yeah. but skillful, right? Yep. Yep. Um, man, that's tough. That's tough. So like a uh, Cooper cup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's good. I like, <laughs> I like that. That's not bad at all. Well, when is um, your years? Cause that, is that a little early for you, Mark Recchi? I was, he, I was, yeah, a little, a little too early for me, but I do remember some Mark Recchi years and I remember, I do remember him more on the flyers though. All right. Let me see. I'll get you. Okay. How about uh, Richard Zednick? Who would be the. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Richard. The only thing I remember Richard Zednick was his, he used to wear like really long shin pads. That's what I remember. Like his shin so pads like, would go like, Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing i remember about richard no. zednick to be honest uh well actually no he, he got he's the one that got cut and, he got cut in, uh, in yeah, Florida, right? that's yeah, right yeah. so it'd be this would be like a joe theisman type of situation that ended his career uh yeah i'm just poking through these so these teams from the early 2000s what a horror show i mean old well, doug, but this doug was, gilmore this joe okay. you know well I, I, gilmore was good for like a year and a half uh they got him for the playoff run in one year that was fun um so the Canadians in in those years, for a long time, were were in this Vikings territory where they yeah. just can never tank. They can never get bad enough <laughs> to to go out and like reset everything with a with a top draft pick. Up, not they're about to do it, but it's like fifteen years too late. Um, you know, the Canadians are about to get the number one overall pick, but yeah, they, they just were always they were always okay. They would always finish eighth, seventh, you know, one year. Okay, they finished second or something in the East. And you you were tantalized because in 2010, they went on a run all the way to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And you're like, see, like, it's not, we're not that far. We're not that far. And you, you were far. You continue to be far because you can never find those that superstar. You had a team of really good players and never had the superstar, superstar at the at the important positions besides goalie, I guess. Um, and the Vikings are kind of in the same way. And it's not going it, to – and, again, I, I'll, I'll play up the Kirk Cousins for MVP talk any day of the week. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just, it's just not – it's just – it's going to continue to be like this until it, it really just crumbles. And Gosh, Montreal is just such a perfect comparison. It's like lost in the semifinals, lost in the quarterfinals, lost in the conference finals. Wow, what a yeah. year. Lost in the quarterfinals, lost in the quarterfinals, lost in the second round. It's just like, yeah. oh man. And they would always have they would always have these like really good players that you would absolutely want on your team, yeah. but you just couldn't get the one guy. And that's where when Kwesi Adafo said another one of his quotes is like, well, it's that you know, football's not about one guy. And you're like, well. It is. Close. Close. Sorry, but that's kind of how it goes. All right. Well, uh, best of luck to your tanking Canadians. The natural tank they've gone <laughs> the natural through. Tank. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, man. Always fun to get together with you. The Too High podcast. Who's going to be uh, – Deontay Lee is leaving you guys. So is there, uh, is there a co-host opening people should be applying for at PFF.com or what? <laughs> um, we're trying come, to come talk with Seth. We're trying to figure it out right now. Um, there will be episodes going forward. Um, just maybe – I haven't really decided yet. Uh, or maybe a little too far out from like me being able to just like team getting on you to talk about the Vikings, getting on someone else to talk about the Bears or whatever. 
but um, there will be some guest hosting, I guess, um, in the in the near future. For so, still subscribe to the Two High Podcast uh, wherever you get your um, podcasts, and and uh, and I'll see you there. Yeah, uh, just uh, good for Deontay, man. I mean, like, uh, great to meet him at the combine, and and you guys have done great content together. And I don't know if it's been announced where he's going yet, so I'll just say congratulations to him. Um, I don't know if you put it out there yet, but either way, so. Yeah, not not yet, but it's good. So anyway, uh, well, great stuff. And uh, I'm happy to help you with your podcasting at any time, Seth. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye.